640 Toronto presents Think Tank. The breaking stories you care about. Facts and opinions that get you through the day. Now, let's meet the guests. Okay, can't recommend enough. Go to the Toronto Sun, read Warren Kinsella's op-ed on the life, the legacy of the Right Honourable Brian Mulroney, who we were talking about all morning long, obviously, uh, at age 84. He passes away yesterday in Palm Beach, Florida. Go read that op-ed. It's brilliant. And be listening to more between 2 and 5, where the inimitable Roy Green will host the Roy Green Show, and we welcome both gentlemen on. Warren, first of all, it, it's a phenomenal job uh, talking about somebody that you knew really well and try, kind of tried was always on the counterattack for many years against Brian Mulroney. I appreciated what you wrote about him. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he was he was a formidable adversary. Uh, as you know, I was uh, Cretchen's special assistant, and um, you know we were always every day trying to devise new ways to. <laughs> drive his government crazy and you know he never lost his cool he never lost his sense of humor and he was decent you know there were times where personal things were happening health scares and family tragedies and the phone would ring and there would be Brian Mulroney calling calling us you know our opponents our his adversaries see how we were doing and to express his best wishes and offer help and um, you know that's a that's a politician of a bygone era. And Roy, you're going to have a tremendously, um, you know, I think poignant but important show to more a different show um, than we often hear, um, with a lot more retrospective opinions. And I think about these kind of three political titans in the election of '84 and '88: Mulroney, Turner, Broadbent. We just lost Ed Broadbent in January. We lost John Turner only in 2020. Um, so we're losing some some greats that uh, that had some iconic times and moments. Um, and I can tell you, Greg, and by the way, it's the first opportunity for me to speak with Warren after all these years. Oh, no. great. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Warren, a great, great op-ed, great tribute to Brian Mulroney. Thank you. In the sun. Thank I you. really, really appreciated reading it. Uh, yeah, Brian Mulroney was a very special person. And I, it occurred to me last night that he learned uh, a lot of his communication skills as, when he was a labor lawyer. In Quebec, he had to deal with many different uh, groups and organizations and unions and politicians and governments as a labor lawyer, and he put that to excellent use. I had an opportunity to do a one-on-one, one-hour interview with him in 1992, right at the tail end of the of the convention, and uh, he was so gracious. I forgot that I was there for a minute or two. I forgot that I was there to conduct an inquisition not to be his pal <laughs> that was it that was his intent <laughs> and you know he succeeded. do i have do i have 60 seconds to tell you uh, how yes you do about? you got all the time in the universe absolutely all right okay so warren you'll remember this um the uh spicer commission was touring canada mm-hmm. and it was the charlottetown accord that we were all talking about and so i thought what i would do is do essentially what spicer did and set up a network of radio stations from Vancouver, CKNW, our global station in Vancouver, all the way to VOCM in St. John's, Newfoundland, including, of course, AM640 in Toronto. So um, Spicer actually came into the studio, and we went from radio station to radio station to radio station to radio station, 10 minutes with everybody, and it went out really well. So I sent an email to the Prime Minister's press secretary requesting an interview. And I got one of those emails in return. You know how they go? When we're next in town, we'll call you. And I thought, no, that's not very good. And it just so happened that the next day, Jerry Weiner was in the studio, the heritage minister. And I said to him, 
Mr. Weiner, how do you think the prime minister would respond? What do you think his thoughts would be of the broadcast we did not outlined it? He said, oh, the prime minister would be thrilled. And he, I said, so do you think he'd be willing to talk to us? And Mr. Weiner said, absolutely. And I said, so how come I got this email? And uh, he looked at it and he said, oh, and I, and I said to him, look, um, what do you want? What can we do? I'll take it to the prime minister. And the next day, a day after that, I got a call from the press secretary saying, you win, you've got the interview one-on-one for an hour. And it turned out to be really a very memorable experience. Um, we have we kept thousands of interviews in our lives in this business. And that one will always be very special. He, is a, he, was, a, he was a true gentleman. He got excited a few times, but he was a real gentleman. I bet it will. Um, the excitement of the convention, I want to I want to get to, Warren. 1983, and I remember being, I, I'm a little kid then, uh, but the Progressive Conservative, Conservative Party leadership election. Brian Mulroney got 29.2% on the first ballot. Joe Clark got 36.5%. But Mulroney was able to bring other conservative candidates in and get their delegates. And and again, I, we just had an Ontario liberal um, one that's kind of boring because everybody voted already and the week before, and it just kind of was a bit of a state affair. These things in 83, I always remember them more, and Mulroney v. Clark and then Cretchen v. Turner the next year, these things had energy and intrigue and soap opera level stuff to them. And Mulroney emerged from that. How how significant was that in terms of timing for him as well? Things were kind of coming to the end for the Trudeau-era liberals. And they probably win the election with either Clark or Mulroney, but I think Clark was seen more as yesterday's person at that time, wasn't he? Yeah, you know, politics is like comedy, right? You know, half of the job is timing, and his timing was great. He'd run before mm-hmm. and lost, as sought the leadership Mulroney did. And he was probably lucky in that regard. Same with Kretzian, you know, ran and lost. But when they got the leadership, and when Mulroney got the leadership, the country was in the mood for change, as it is now. You know, clearly the, the country wants to see Justin Trudeau gone. And, you know, Mulroney arrived at exactly the right moment. But, you know, the one thing I think he would be laughing listening, to, you know, to us and listening to all the, the tributes, like he was like, I, I'm, I'm the same kind of guy. I'm an Irish Catholic for, born in Quebec. He played politics like he was hardball and he didn't mess around. And uh, when he decided he was going to go for the, the leadership in a big way, um, it went right back to Joe Clark losing the leadership review in Winnipeg. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys remember that. Mm-hmm. That's when Brian Moroni became leader, is when Joe Clark made the mistake of saying, you know, if I don't get a certain level of support in the leadership review, I'm going to leave. It's interesting. Uh, just Mulroney for clarif- clarification, he said, I want to get 75, and he got 66, just barely over 66.1, and it wasn't enough. And again, you know, maybe that's the fatal mistake because he could, as we, you're saying, Warren, he could have been prime minister again, but he thought, if not enough of my allies are behind me, how can I sell our policies to the country? And Mulroney benefited from that. And, you know, we're like I know I'm friends with have been friends for years with a lot of his guys who were working that Winnipeg convention. They were working mm-hmm. to get the number below Joe Clark's number. So, you know, he wasn't a saint. None of us in politics are. But he had this charm, you know, the Irish Blarney, where he could just, you know, as Roy described, you know, you felt like you were a waffle and pouring syrup over you, like he was just so good at it. 
he'd make you like he could fire you and you'd walk out of his office and and feel like you'd had a great day. But he was that kind of a guy. <laughs> Roy, the relationship with the United States, um, you know, we, we look now and we think it, it, it hasn't felt the same for a while. And um, we're all sort of perhaps dreading, dreading maybe um, the, that relationship uh, gap widening to, to some extent. But Explain to our audience, if you can, the lens that you had with the Brian Mulroney, Ronald Reagan relationship and uh, and politics, again, was just so different pre-internet, pre-social media. But we looked at, at that relationship and yet Mulroney pushed Reagan on some things. He pushed him on HIV and AIDS. He pushed him on South Africa and apartheid. He had no hesitation doing that to somebody that powerful. Yeah, on a very personal level, I think it was a marriage, political marriage made in heaven. The two of them were great communicators, and they understood each other. And I will never forget when they threw out the first pitch of the Blue Jays game. And it was just, there was Reagan, there was Mulroney, and it was the, it was the partnership. But if we go back, we can go back uh, 30 years. It was January of 1994 that um, the uh, idea of a North America-wide free trade zone, uh, the NAFTA agreement, came into, came into force. And that really, I think, Greg and Warren, and Warren, you would know, uh, the details of this better than I. I was on the sidelines doing my thing, but it really brought Canada into the big leagues of international economic relevance. And uh, subsequent to no, Max, no, no, that wasn't NAFTA. That was uh, was it NAFTA or was it the uh, was it the uh, U.S. Canada trade agreement? Nineteen, yeah, in eighty-eight, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but NAFTA brought us into the big leagues economically. I forget some of the dates. You know, they kind of run into yeah. each other. But it was it was a it was an amazing achievement, and he and Reagan just had that. Think of the Shamrock Summit; they had that they had that ability to communicate, and they were friendly to television. That mattered. They both came across mm-hmm. extremely well on TV when they were together. That was that was key to that uh, relationship, and that's what brought Canada, I think, into much closer ties with the United States than we might be looking at uh, as of this coming November. We've got Roy Green with us. He'll host the Roy Green Show tomorrow and Sunday, 2 to 5, all across the country on the Chorus Radio Network and right here on 640 Toronto. And Warren Kinsella, his op-ed is on the Toronto Sun's website right now and in the uh, physical paper today. Um, So go pick it up. Um, You know, we talked about Kretchen v. Mulroney, um, Warren, and we never got, it's like a heavyweight fight you never really get to see. You're like, oh, I'd really like to see these two in the ring. We didn't see it, but outside of those few months Kim Campbell was prime minister, these were Canada's two prime ministers for 19 years. Why did it start to go so wrong by the early 90s for the PCs and for Brian Mulroney? You you wouldn't have predicted, if I tapped you on the shoulder the night of the election in 88 and I'm like, this love affair is going to be gone, like vanished in a few years. Where did it start to go wrong for it? It's uh, it's the same story always. The people get sick of your face. You know, you, you're around and they, they love you and they love you. And then one day you wake up and they don't, you know, and people are turning their backs on you as you enter a cocktail party. And but the remarkable thing about Moroni and, you know, there, I was in the opposition gallery and we were working question period to dry him bananas and so on. And we'd watch, you know, we'd watch across the aisle, the face, his face and the faces of his, his people, his cabinet. And he had some giants in his cabinet and they never looked down. Like even when he, like, I don't know if you guys remember this number, he had 12% support at one point in the country. Yes, indeed. (laughs) They had become that unpopular. And that guy held on to his caucus. 
And not one of them said a word about him. And that is a remarkable testament to leadership. When you only got 12% support and you're not having any of your caucus go sideways, that, that's incredible. And that, that's something that Mulroney could do is he had this ability to connect with people personally and obviously with his caucus and his cabinet. And they stayed with him to the end. And, uh, but I, you know, everybody, it's the same. You get eight years in this business and then you got to pack your bags. And, you know, that's the mistake I think Mr. Trudeau always made is he's just, you know, he stayed there too long. You're in the inner circle. You're in the inner circle, Warren, before we get to Roy. How, when he left, were you like, ah, it would have been nice to beat him in the election? Or were you like surprised that he, that he decided to go? We uh, were disappointed at some level, but we also weren't surprised. I had been working on, um, you know, Kim, we were trying to figure out who the leadership candidates were. I ran Kretzian's war room in 93. Yeah. And um, so we figured, you know, they're going to do a Hail Mary pass and, you know, they're going to do something like, you know, pick a woman and woman, somebody from the West. And that was Kim Campbell. <laughs> so we were disappointed to see Muldoon go. Kretchen certainly was because Kretchen is a hell of a scrapper, too. <laughs> and I think we would have beaten him. But I think Mulroney knew that. And that's why he left. He knew that he was likely to get beaten and it was time for renewal. So, you know, they brought in uh- Kim Campbell. Roy, the antipathy that we started to see with the Progressive Conservative Party, I know we're talking about it now with Justin Trudeau's liberals, but we're not going to see the liberals reduced to two seats. Um, They went from 156 to two seats in the October 1993 election. The party was burnt to the ground and it took, I think we'd agree, 11, 12 years to recover. Reflect on that on that history, uh, history of, of that significance. Oh, absolutely. And Warren, I that interview that I had with Mulroney for an hour was when he was at 12% in the polls. And he never showed for a moment, never showed it, ever. But I think one of the, uh, and I agree completely with Warren, you get to a certain point in the years you serve as prime minister, and then people don't want to see your face any longer. But the GST was a catalyst to uh, for, for problems. And Chrétien took full advantage of that in the 93 election campaign. But I remember Michael Wilson, the finance minister, coming into the studio with me and sitting there talking about the GST. And nobody really knew how the hell to apply it. Uh, we were talking about donuts, the package of six. Do you, do, does the GST get applied to a package of six or to individual donuts? That's how ridiculous it got. But when he walked away, and I knew Kim Campbell quite well at that point. She'd been in my studio many times as justice minister. She came in as the prime minister uh, in, during the election campaign, and she said to me, Roy, how am I doing? And I thought, I, how do I answer this one? <laughs> because I don't, I don't think it's going to turn out well. But who knew that on that election night, it was going to be Jean Charest and Elsie Wayne, the former mayor of, of St. John, New Brunswick. They became the answer to a trivia question. And it was total decimation. I remember sitting in front of the TV saying to myself, good Lord, what's happening here? As the numbers came in and the next morning, I don't think it's ever happened in this country before, but you're just destroyed. They could have easily, they, it could have happened considering it's Charay and Elsie Wayne, uh, Warren, Greg, it could have happened that they could have been shut out. They could easily have been shut out. Could have been zero. I don't know how the polling, like Warren, I'm looking at this. I know this is very inside baseball for some of our listeners, but it's worth it for context. I'm looking at an Enveronics poll, September 9th, 93, with the PCs at 34 and the Liberals at 33. And voting day is about six weeks later. 
It's 41 for the liberals, 16 for the conservatives. So it went from a dead heat to an absolute blowout in six weeks. The polls got this really wrong. Yeah, and I think, you know, the mistake that they made is they underestimated Kretchen and they uh, ran that terrible ad. You know, that was Kim Campbell's team who did that. That wasn't Brian Moroni's team. I don't think Moroni would have ever approved something like that. And it, you know, but the, this is with Kretchen's face for clarification, right? It was it yeah, kind of a, they made fun a really of cruel ad. paralysis. Yeah. yeah. And but but but, you know, that first Canada Day weekend when Kim Campbell had just become prime minister, as you just pointed out, she was the most popular prime minister in the history of polling. Remember, she did that trip from Newfoundland all the way to, uh, to Vancouver and kind of followed the sun and went through different time zones. It was brilliantly executed. And we had our caucus freaking out. And that's when Kretzian gave the famous talk and he saw all these nervous Nellies. <laughs> and, uh, and then we, in the war room, we got to work on telling people what you know, Kim Campbell was like. And you know, the, mm. that was that. But it, yeah, things can turn on a dime in this business. But the, the amazing thing about Mulroney and, and, you know, the great ones like Kretschmann and Harper is they've got an ability to look at it long term. You know, they're quarterbacks, right? They're, they're looking to where they're going to send the ball. They're not freaking out about what's taking place midfield. And Mulroney was just really good at that. And, you know, the proof's in the pudding. Two huge majorities, huge super majorities. That's not happened many times in Canadian politics. Uh, I want to give both of you a clip. Yeah, go ahead, Roy, really quick. Can I just say this? Yeah. What do you think uh, the impact was of that statement uh, that Kim Campbell made in uh, in 93, that an election campaign is not the time to get into the details of issues? Because that reverberated certainly on the air with my listeners saying, what is she talking about? This is exactly the time. This was the listener's response. And I thought that that was a, another issue that she, I mean, it was blown. That was, she had an opportunity and she blew it with that answer. Yeah. Well, for I, sure. Uh, my, Mulroney would have never said that. I loved no. I, I loved, I'm glad I didn't sell my car when she uh, got up to the yeah, microphone. That was very good. Yeah, that was really <laughs> With her good. two seats. Um, <laughs> let me give you something Peter Mansbridge said earlier, and I want to sort of you know take it from there to where we are right now to some extent. It's about respect and, and disagreeing on policy, not personality. Here's what Peter Mansbridge said earlier on Toronto Today. I'm not sure we can reflect today's politics on yesterday's politics. Um, we are polarized today in a way that, uh, listen, we were polarized around some big issues back then, but it was legitimate, constructive debate. But it was a different kind of division and a different kind of situation where there was respect held on both sides for the other. It's different today. Okay, so that's where he weighs in, uh, Roy. Can we get there again? This is a really simple, can we get some respect back? Can we? Do, I think we have it here to some extent in Ontario. I feel like it's more about policy. I think we saw, even even to hyper-localize it in Toronto, I, saw, I thought we saw a respectful mayoral by-election last summer. How do we, I just think we're in a really bad, contentious federal bubble um, that I, I think makes us all feel a little, a little gross sometimes. How do you view it, Roy? I don't know. I, I truly don't know. I don't think in the short term. I think too many bridges have been burned. But in the longer term, hopefully, we'll have a respectful dialogue. Maybe it's the old story about, you know, we were in, up in arms against each other during the day. In the evening, we went out for dinner, regardless of what the party was. That doesn't happen any longer, from what I understand. I really don't know how to answer that one, Greg. I, I, short term, no. Warren, how do you view it? Uh, social media. You know, all of us are, you know, got a little personal computer in our pocket. 
And that is the big change, right? That is the qualitative change that took place in the mid-90s. And that's when you really started to see politics, not just here, but in America and, and Western Europe as well, change. And people became angrier. Like people, there'd always been an angry element and, you know, to be angry at Mulroney and so on, but they'd still line up to get their picture taken with them. Now it's changed, you know, and I think Polyev, I don't like Polyev's style of uh, politics. I don't like the anger stuff all the time. I think we've got a hell of a great country and I love it. I love the people in it. And if you're in politics, you got to love people. You know, Mulroney did. He loved people. And um, I think we've lost a lot of that. And I blame social media. I think that, you know, that thing that everybody's got in their pocket has changed the way we look at politics and it's changed the way we interact. And it's done it in a way that's very bad for, for politics and for people. It's one of those things, again, where, yeah, at the federal level, um, I you just mentioned a really mean and nasty campaign ad with uh, in, involving um, Jean Chrétien uh, and how he spoke and how he looked. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know that we would tolerate anything that mean 31 years later. But, uh, sure we would. But to sure your, we would. that's the oh, thing. Yeah. We, we would. We would no, right. like, sorry, <laughs> it happens all the time now. And like, you know, and. You know, I can now confess in front of all of your listeners, when that ad happened, we'd been waiting for it. Yeah. We knew they were thinking about it. We knew they were thinking about it. And they did, the, did this desperate play, and we made them wear it. At that point, they were looking at maybe 30, 40 seats. We took that ad and drove them down to two seats. But now what's happened is now that's become the rule, not the exception. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff is happening all the time. So yeah, Political know, parties can take advantage. Yeah, and the Sorry, people I know in politics, they don't like it. You know, they they wish yeah. it went back to the days of Mulroney and Chrétien, but they don't know how to get there. Right. But if I, we just, if we, sorry. No, no, I, I was just, sorry, I was so struck by um, Chrétien coming down, like finding it important enough to travel down to Parliament Hill at age 90 and speak in person and take as many questions as the media had for him yesterday. I don't know that we'll see that in 25, 30 years when our current leaders are starting to, you know, age and decline and pass away. I just thought that said so much that I'm saying this. A 90-year-old man thought it important enough for a political rival, not just to put a statement out, not just to send a tweet, not just to email. He was there in full body and said yeah. so many amazing things about a rival, right? Yeah. yeah, he set the bar. It was very, very impressive. But just to pick up on Warren's point, the anger, yep. the taking advantage of public anger has become a political tool. It's party, political parties can take advantage of the anger waves, and they do, and it feeds the anger and I hear it on the, I hear it on the air, and I see it in email. People respond immediately. And if you're a smart politician, and you know that a significant percentage of the population is mm-hmm. furious about something, like Mr. Gilbo has that ability to raise anger, certainly in the West, take advantage of it. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. And I would too, I suppose. You know, it's a blood sport. You want to win. First thing you have to do is win. And if this is a tool that you can use to win an election, it's going to be used. Um, glowing tributes, guys. Really appreciate you both being on. I, I kind of miss. I kind of miss it when you both get angry yourselves. Um, sometimes even at me. So next time, well, next time, this is a one-off. We're, we're going to leave this as a one-off uh, with all the uh, all the glowing tributes to uh, a, an absolutely, again, an absolute titan of a politician, Warren Roy. Thank you so much for the time today. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Greg. Warren Kinsella, Roy Green.